Welcome to LCF Unfiltered. I'm your host, Ro, an LCF women's wear alumni with a passion for change. As a person of colour in the fashion and creative industry, I have seen and experienced firsthand how we are often overlooked, misunderstood and mistreated. We see a lack of diversity in high positions within the industry. Racism is a widespread social problem. However, the structure of the fashion industry makes it harder to raise issues around representation, racism and inclusivity. Because of this, we have to put our best foot forward and let our strongest voices be heard. And this is exactly what LCF Unfiltered is all about. It's the opportunity to build a safe space for POC creatives without judgment or expectation and to give a platform to each of these voices whilst highlighting the talent and skill that is often undervalued. With the possibility of hearing from the few influential names we look up to in the industry, we as a community can learn, educate and understand together. This is not a podcast to cancel or to exclude anyone. Instead, it's a chance for us to demand change. Welcome back to LCF Unfiltered, the show that spotlights, supports and encourages POC creatives to be unapologetically themselves, whilst addressing those sensitive topics we face and demanding change within the fashion industry. I'm your host, Ro, and today we are going to be talking everything from an in-depth design perspective with Shola and Basma. Um, our guests today, Shola and Basma, are recent LCF graduates whose work around Black History Month really stood out to me and I just needed to know more. So hi to both of you. Um, thanks for joining me today. I'm incredibly excited to hear what you both have to say. Hello. Hey. Um, so for the people who don't know both of you, do you mind introducing yourselves and telling us a little bit about your work? Um, hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, so I've just recently graduated, same course as Shola from Women's Wear. So I come from a working class background and um, my graduate collection, which is my most recent collection, was kind of about investigating like struggles of identity for British South Asian working class women. Um, so my kind of work really advocates a voice and a platform for that category of women but not only that like I feel like my personal story and um like South Asian women's story in Britain and from working class backgrounds resonates with all ethnic minorities in Britain. Um, So I feel like a lot of the conversations that I amplify in my work kind of interlink with a lot of other people's experiences as well. Um, So I kind of just use my platform to raise awareness on anti-racism and like... um, also like class issues as well. Amazing. And Shola? Yeah, my name is Shola, as, as you said, and um, I'm of Nigerian descent and my work uh, predominantly explores, uh, it situates mental health, um, but then has these conversations within that, within that, there's sort of like filtered through the lens of like my heritage and how you know all this has affects me because mental health conversations are not within the vacuum. And there's so many triggers to them, um, so many layers to them as well. And I come from like this 
um, I come from like a, an approach of um, every single thing I've been through and every part of my identity as a person, um, like that confluence of everything sort of like affects how I behave and my behavior, essentially. Um, I also have a, I have a degree in sociology and anthropology, so that's predominantly how I situate my my design practice in a way. Um, I call, it's uh, in, in in sociology. There's this discipline called ethnomethodology, um, which is basically looking at how people's um, life experiences affects um, how they relate to people. That's just like a, a quick breakdown of it. But that's what that's how I look into into work. Um, of recent, I started to like explore my Nigerian background a bit more, um, uh, trying to situate uh, and understand clothes within that context more extracting things like drapes and shapes from there rather than centering my entirety of my work in in that perspective if that makes any sense i don't know if that makes sense of course, yeah of course <laughs> so uh, rather than like carbon copying in what you know what's been done before instead i look into the cultural context of that particular garment and then i try to like contextualize it into something different filtered through my own experience it's just like that's yeah, just it really. yeah. no it's very it both of you are very very interested in what you do um you. so like for both of you has being a creative always been the chosen path or have certain things led you down this like direction um okay so that's a really like heavy question for me um and I think Shola has had a very similar experience to me as well um so this also kind of links into being working class and a woman of color as well but and I think a lot of people in the same category can relate to this as well but we don't have the privilege to choose our career like I guess from even when our mothers are pregnant with us our careers are already decided by our families <laughs> and um yeah like uh, to put it because it is a really long story so I'll try and briefly explain but um when because I come from a working class background um the pressure to get a very well-paid academic job was immense but it didn't come from spite it came from good heart um which really needs to be an important point to come across and a lot of ethnic families have that the pressure I think people kind of look at the pressure as quite a trauma like very like rude in a way I don't know what what you but trauma-inducing yeah. yeah, it comes from a good heart. I know this. Um, but yeah, I didn't really have the privilege to pick what I wanted to do. I was always pushed down the academic route. And then it wasn't until sixth form when it really got to my mental health that, um, yes, okay, I may excel academically very well, but it's not something I'm hugely passionate about. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of made a decision in which the school was against and uh, people that I know were against in me doing. And I dropped out of sixth form and enrolled into an art school, which Shola also went to, went to as well. Oh. And that's kind of like how the journey began but it was very hard because I was 
it was a very risky decision and um it's the same like working class women of color do not have the same privilege as white women um like we actually can't choose what we want to do freely we have to think realistically and there's always this pressure of realistic terms that we have to have in the back of our head um so it ha- it has been difficult even now that i have the degree i'm still kind of being questioned like should i continue in the arts or should i go do an academic career like the pressure is still there and it will never go away mm. that's really sad yeah. sad that that's the case but yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I totally agree with that mine is I've known Bosnia for a while ago so there's a lot of like um, crossovers in, in, in our parts which is fun um, because it makes us have like a rich history um, but like for me it's, it's kind of like sort of like exactly what you said um, although I'm not a woman of colour <laughs> but it's still <laughs> a man of colour yes I am um, I'm also the first son um, in my family oh, yeah. which, comes, <laughs> which is which comes with a lot of like parallel responsibilities and um, I'm from a working class family as well um, my dad's a medical doctor and from birth it's it's been I was um, I'm making a joke with a couple of my friends a while ago and I said right from when I was born my dad made me read the dictionary every day um, that's you know the stress um, he wanted me to be a medical doctor um, and up until I was literally, I, I actually went to the School of Science for my secondary education. I went to university to study. Um, from the first time I took like a university degree um, examination was to study medicine. I missed the course off by, by literally one point. And I'm so glad I didn't make that because in the one year that I spent at home, um, I learned to negotiate things uh, and let's negotiate um, and compromise. And I, I at, the, at this point, my parents were not together. So I negotiated with my mom and I was like, I'm going to start microbiology instead. Uh, I'm very queasy around blood. I don't like blood. So I, I said to her, I can't, you can't have a medical doctor who can't stand the sight of blood. The smell of blood irritates me, just makes me want to be there you know, and uh, I go into university um, to study study microbiology and I did two years of microbiology and every single one of my friends, every single one of them were like, you were doing the wrong thing because I had no passion for it. I wanted, I really wanted it to be over so I could actually go do the arts. And a lot of my friends were like, I barely went to class. Um, I would Pass some courses, I would fail some courses. I just wasn't there. And one of my very good girlfriends said to me, um, it's really painful to see someone like you who is not like was not an idiot, literally just like not doing anything. She said to me, How about you do what you really want to do? And at that point in my life, it was too late for me to go down the art spot because back home in Nigeria. Um, like Pasma said, when your life is conditioned, when your life has been conditioned from birth, if you're going to do arts, you literally start your primary education with arts. If you're going to do social sciences, you start your primary education with social sciences. I started mine with sciences. So I did physics, chemistry, biology, and the whole works, and I was in tertiary education, so then uh, microbiology. And it was, I didn't know what to do. 
luckily for me there was a break and I was told I could move to social sciences which was great in hindsight because I've always had this question about how does the world work and I think for like a lot of people of color very very quickly you understand the fact that your reality is not the same with a lot of people it, when, it's, when it intersects with class it becomes different as well mm-hmm. and trying to and when when it comes with with gender and sexuality it gets even much more complicated and understanding all of all these nuances um, as a teenager for me was like I, I just wanted to understand where have I landed they're just you know, keep having out-of-body experiences and I think as we, both of you are women of color so I think you understand what I'm saying about having an awareness really early that the way you're going through the world is not the same as some people mm. um so i was able to like move to, to study sociology and anthropology which was one of the best decisions i've ever made even though while, while i was doing that i wasn't particularly 100 focused but i picked up so many like um critical theories um, um, um critical thinking i've been, been able to ask questions questioning things um which was a good basis for me and i was able to also move when i moved to to England a few years ago it was for me it was like the final okay let's do what we really want to do it was literally me stepping into my decision as a person going I want to do I want to do fashion and this is what I want to do I mean I've always liked fashion but it was a different like the fashion in the fashion scene growing up in Nigeria was very couture gowns and couture dresses and when I moved to London I got exposed to like an alternative you know type of fashion design yeah and I was really yeah I was I was glad I was able to I went to, when I went to college um the same one that Basma went to I was I remember the first thing um the my interviewer said to me was when I showed her my sketches which oh my god <laughs> she laughed at me she was like yeah this is pretty but I can guarantee by the time you're done with this course it's not gonna be the same and she was right uh she was right it was it's been a journey but it's um I have this attitude towards every, everything, which is, it's more of a curiosity thing. It's, it's sad that I have to make money, but I, because I do need to make money. But yeah. for me, it's more like, it comes from a place of actually being genuinely curious about so many things. Like, why, why, why? Like, why do I have to wear trousers to prove I'm a man? Or why yeah. does, do I, and, and I mean, now things are changing, but traditionally with traditional quote-unquote values it's like trousers are for men skirts and dresses are for women it's like what do I it's just a piece of garment soon in a completely different way so that's how I see fashion that's how I use fashion that's my background with you know the old fashion thing but yeah no it's really interesting especially when you look at it and the ideals of like stereotypes and of why we wear what we wear and why we're told to wear what we wear and mm. why we accept it you know <laughs> so when you look at it in that aspect you know it opens like a like multiple doors and just new paths and stuff so you know that is very interesting um so how obviously we we all know that racism in the fashion industry is a massive <sighs> thing it's something that as even though many people try to deny it it's there um doesn't matter whether it's sly or not um so how do you feel that racism racism in the industry has affected you um do you feel like it's been harder for you as people of color um yes definitely because um I mean I me and Shola have both witnessed this together and also in our own individual experiences and even as a graduate when 
like during the whole process of applying for jobs and stuff, you know, in the back of your head that when they flick through all of the CVs, they're going to pick the candidates who are European and who come from a European background or can speak Italian, French, or those kind of languages. And um, it's just very, like, it's very disheartening for us because um, even if we may have more skills or academic qualifications than another candidate, that candidate who is European and white is forever going to get picked over us, no matter how qualified or no matter how much work experience we have. I've seen it. I see it on LinkedIn all the time. And um, it's just very like, it's disheartening. Um, It's even like, for example, say that you do get that job by some miraculous, like, way when you're in that job and you're working with your colleagues those colleagues of white ethnicity and European ethnicity will always get treated better than you and always get favored better than you and it's not just the fashion industry it's every single industry is like that I remember when I was turning 16 so the UK legal age to work in Britain and my dad told me as a man of color like saying to his daughter that the reality of working in a Western country is you're always going to face discrimination no matter what industry you ever go into. And his words have stuck by me since that age. And I've witnessed it. I've seen his words come to life and I've seen other people of color experience discrimination in the workplace as well. And it's just something that no matter, there's so many statistics and data on the internet and in books that prove this fact that white people will always excel in the workplace but no matter how much evidence we have for some reason it's something that we have we have to live with and there's no change on it Mm -hmm. and um it's just it's very disheartening especially when we're in a pandemic and the job sectors even triple harder and now we we are also as people of color have to manifest the fact that not only is it impossible to get a job now because of the pandemic but we also have to think that no matter how much experience we have a white person is always going to get picked over us and it's just a sad reality that we're all living and it's not just I think one thing that we also have to realize like it's not only racism it's classism as well if you are colored and from working class you're already suffering an even more discrimination against you yeah no that's true it isn't just racism people forget that there's more to it than just that yeah yeah um so this is this is the thing and and for a while i've been having an honest conversation with myself about the question the topic of racism mm-hmm. and i it's a bit foreign to me because um i think i've said this to Basman, i said a couple of my friends growing up in nigeria 
being socialized in the Nigerian context in a predominantly black society, mm. um, the sort of things I was exposed to in terms of racism, it's a very different reality. Um, classism, yes. Mm. Racism, not on the forefront, obviously. Um, but the idea of racism was always there. And it's, it, it took me, being an adult, as I am right now, to see the nuances of it. It's the fact that even with the religious text, uh, in particular, skin color, skin complexion is elevated over that. You know, there's a reason why the Bible is um, all the disciples and all the angels are white. And the devil is, is black. Like when you filter it like that, it's a, I have a completely different um, experience to the idea of racism. Yeah. So if if you then if I then turn if I transfer that experience to when I moved to England where I took a crash course on what it meant to be a black man, um, I, it's still an alien thing to me. Not like not that I don't see it. More like I feel a bit insulated to it in a way. Yeah. It's never been as I mean I've had in, instances where it's been upfront in my face. Um, but it's it's it, it always takes me a while to wrap my head around it because I wasn't socialized in a racialized community. Um, it, it was a different socializing for me. It was a different aspect of socialization. So when I then transfer that experience, a much more passive approach to the idea of racism, if I then transfer that idea to the fashion industry, um, there are a few things that I've noticed, you know, um, it's first and foremost, and, and I, I think it, 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 I need to be very careful here. Um, people in the industry might not necessarily be racist themselves, okay, because we need to be really careful about, oh, you know, yeah, like, everyone in the industry is racist. No, 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 that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone might not necessarily be, but we need to understand that the industry, as a sociologist, as a sociologist first, who's then a fashion designer, um, what I've seen of the fashion industry is it's centered around promoting Eurocentric norms. Mm -hmm. It is centered around promoting Eurocentric values. Yeah. Which historically, which is one of the things I'm so grateful for, I mean, LCF has its flaws. Mm. You realize it's flaws, but they situated within me as a person some academic theories which I explore my creative aspect through. Understanding the history of fashion design um, means you can understand exactly what how the industry came to be. It yeah. started from a classist perspective. So it links very well to what Batman said. Yeah. First and foremost, it promotes an idea of Eurocentric norms. While the while people who while some people who work in the industry might be racist, not everyone who work in the industry is. However, there's also something called systemic racism, mm -hmm. which is predicated on excluding other voices. That I can say the industry is. Yeah. It might not be active. People who work there might not be aware of it because it's a multi-billion pound um, 
it's it's a multi-billion pound industry that first and foremost is told through the lens of whiteness mm-hmm. and has not historically made room for a diverse school of thought. It's changing now, and we need to acknowledge that, yeah. but we also cannot separate the, its history from it. Um, and so, yes, is it harder for people of color, for people who are much shade and darker, um, to break even in the industry? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Is it harder for you to want to have a conversation um, about things that are very personal to you? Definitely. Is it harder for is it does it make it hard for you to want to have an individual voice where everything is being labeled in a way um, so much so that if you were black and you're exploring the top, topics of identity, or you're automatically boxed into that. You become an African designer or an Asian designer, and that becomes the entirety of who you are as a designer rather than a person who's exploring so many different facets of their personhood. You know, we need like that is true. And that when I said the system is systemically exclusionary and definitely racist, um, that's what I mean. Uh, It means you need to understand the fact that I had this conversation while we're doing our our, uh, major project, our our graduate collection. And it was I find it funny that almost all non-white designers that I know explore the topic of identity in one way or another. Um, whereas most of the, whether or not they are aware of it, white students that I was aware of, they can explore waking up, going for chips, their grandma's birthday. (laughs) 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 Um, And it's, it's all within the same industry. Yeah, you know, we're all trying to say so many things. They have, but they have the leisure, they have the freedom to, explore a mundane everyday topic to them Uh, and they would definitely be understood because like i said the industry is filtered through the lens of like eurocentric norms so someone would say oh my god yes i totally understand the feeling of like going to get chips and bright and pear and then you're like but I'm a woman, I'm a, I'm a um, I don't know, I'm an Asian woman of color and I feel invincible and this is my project and everyone's like, yeah, I can see it. You know, it's, it's, it's different in that sense. Two, it's two different realities. It is yeah. very, two different realities. So um, it, it would be very good if the industry starts to like give more room for people who are exploring, who are finding space to explore the safety of who they are and then throwing out questions. Like Batman throws out a lot of questions and I love them. It's like, and this is, and I'm not, I'm not apologizing for this. Uh, and it's, I love that. And, you know, mine is more about mental health. Um, like for a long time, I didn't want to even talk on, touch on the idea of, of being an African man or being an Nigerian person because I didn't want that to be the sum total of what I was trying to say. Um, even though I live in a racialized world, um, I, be, I personally believe that topics of like mental health, first and foremost, like cut across however it is you identify. We all know people who are depressed and with either skin color and nothing people, you know. But then I also, I, um, I cannot authentically talk about my experiences if I don't, if I sense on filter myself. Sorry, that's, yeah, the long story is, yes, 
<laughs> but it is much. <laughs> it is a very complicated conversation. Yeah, it's not like a quick five minute conversation that anyone can ever have, and it's never gonna be something that we're gonna be like, yeah, we've all spoke about it. It's great. <laughs> yeah, <bye. laughs> cool. No. You know, let's no. go get those chips down bright and pick. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> unfortunately, that's just not gonna be the case. Yeah, um, it's not. I think it. You no, know, from like both sides of the like both experiences from the both of you and like what you say about it um it's intriguing the fact so like both your projects like you say have been very personal in comparison to a lot of our white counterparts um like how do you feel that doing such a personal graduate collection like how was that process do you feel that made it more stressful or do you think because it was so personal it was easier to get inspiration and just to power on through um yes like I agree that like I I was like extremely passionate about it and obviously when you're passionate about something you get more excited and motivated to carry on that subject but at the same time there was a level of frustration that I had when I was doing that project partly because um on my particular degree the majority of the people that I was surrounded every day were white people. And I felt like I had to constantly explain my story over and over again in severe detail that it almost felt patronizing at the same time. And um, I felt kind of frustrated that I was doing something that could I was starting a movement basically for British South Asian working class women. But then I felt people who were doing projects like Shola was saying, very <laughs> minimal subjects were getting more attention for it. And I was getting frustrated because I was like, here I am trying to create a huge platform and I feel like I'm screaming and no one is listening to me. And um, I felt like it, it was almost tiring, like I said previously, having to constantly explain my concept in not a brief format, format, but I had to thoroughly explain it over and over again. And I felt like I was repeating myself and I was like, why can't you understand this? And um, it was interesting for me because I that there's not I think there's me and two other South Asian people on our on our course, and um, if I went to go, for example, Shola is not South Asian; he's Nigerian. Yeah. He, even though my project was primarily the target of South Asian women, he could relate to everything and he he didn't even have to ask me any questions and it was the same with like um all of my other non-white friends like none of them even asked me any questions I just told them my concept they understood it and they took it in because they could relate to it but then there was that side of having to it was very patronizing having to explain this over and over again. And it, it was almost, it was almost the same when I had press interviews and that 
person interviewing me was white. It was the same situation of like, here, here I go again, having to detail explain everything. And for some reason, you, you don't understand it. You don't have to go through something to not understand what that person has gone through. And I think that's what white people need to take accountability of. Like they see a situation and they're like, oh, I wasn't involved. Let me not educate myself. Let me not read about that subject. And that's the level of frustration that we have. We read everything about Western culture. We educate ourselves on them. Why can't they do the same for us? Yeah. No, it's definitely unfortunately something we face. I think there is a term for it being the room of silence where you mm. yeah, you're in class mm. or talking to employees or colleagues and you're explaining your view and your point and they'll sit and listen but look at you blankly and they can't (laughs) say anything back because they've taken nothing from it Um, (laughs) but it's it it really does seem to be the case that nine out of ten times a person of color faces that at some point of education or your working life Yeah, I, I think that is that. That see, that was like that creates back to what I was saying earlier about um, it's about when you can empathize with with someone's position. Yeah, if they say A, you might not understand the entirety of A, but you've been in point maybe the point before a or right in the middle of a and so you can understand what you're trying to say and i think a lot of times i would why i'm I'm not to like just generalize and just say oh yeah all white people because i've had wonderful conversations with um my white fans Mm -hmm. and it's been it's for me they have started from a place of empathy and they've gone, um, I might not understand what it feels like to be, to feel unseen, um, but I understand what it feels like to be persecuted for a completely different thing, whether it be because they're broke or because they're gay or whatever. I mean, they understand it's not the same prejudice. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not as stifling, but the fact that they can try to understand you might not understand everything and I don't want you to because you wouldn't you wouldn't I, someone said what can my what you feel some miles in my shoes and I was like actually you can't you will break your ankles let's not do that I just need for you to listen attentively when I speak and when I say things and not I might not be necessarily completely right because I don't have all the answers. Hell, the world has been screwed up before I was born. I don't have all the answers. I'm just reacting to it. Um, And and on that on on that topic, like you know, that sort of sets me off into like my my um, my um, graduate collection. And I I I was so grateful that during my graduate collection, I had like wonderful wonderful group of friends around me. Basma being one of them. Uh, because it was so intricately linked to my emotions. Mm. Like, it was so linked to my emotions. I do not think, and I'm not saying this lightly, I don't think I would have done my project without my group, those group of friends. Um, because I was talking about anxiety and depression, and it's not, it's... I mean, when I first, the day I broached the topic, and I thought, 
they approached the topic over Zoom to the tutors, a couple of tutors, and we had, we had an excellent tutor. The first one my tutors said to know, one of my tutors was said to us, um, you seem a bit defensive, you're not your usual cheerful. So I was like, yes, because I'm talking about my mental health and I know I have to defend it to people. And already thinking about what I have to do is already putting me on the defensive and stressing me out because I'm inviting you to critique myself. And I don't necessarily want you to, but I need you to. I need to put it out there so that other people will feel that vulnerability understand it's okay to have conversations like this to which the excellent tutor replied well if you don't think you're strong enough to do that maybe you should change your topic and i was like yes (laughs) and for for a good two months after that i was constantly angry every single day because i was like because i was like this is the problem like all you needed to do was listen Mm. ask questions and if you didn't know what to say just nothing just have a conversation about the designs if you had nothing to say about the other very important topic don't tell me to change my topic because you you don't know if i can handle it i am adult enough to know the limits of what i can and cannot do and i have guards in place but it's an important conversation while it's not on the same scope as like talking about identity like the way Basma is which is fantastic in, in, in it's talking about like women who are historically seen but never heard yeah and then when you overlay that with like you know the concept of being a woman of color and then being of a very different class existing I it can feel like you're shouting into like an empty void of space and no one is listening. While it's why my project is not that, because I said to her, I said, I can empathize because I've got sisters. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got black women sisters. And I understand how it feels for them to be constantly told to shut up or cut themselves down to fit into a world. So I'm I might not understand how it feels to walk a man in your shoes, but I know where you're coming from and I feel that frustration as well. Yeah. So while my project is not, you know, like that, it's still talking about, you know, something a bit different. And like 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 she said, talking to people about things like this, <clears throat> a lot of times people back off or get defensive because it's such a heavy conversation. And sometimes I hear people say, oh, fashion is meant to be fun, or fashion is meant to be frivolous. Like, to which I have said so many times, if that's how you think, then you don't understand the power of clothes. Mm. You don't understand the power of the industry we are in. And then when people are like, oh my God, what do you mean? Like, look at the fact that right now there's a consciousness towards sustainability. That's the most recent example of the push that in the fashion industry has. The fashion industry said, sustainability is going to be the biggest thing we're going to focus on now, and you see it everywhere. And it's filtered in, into social discourses. Yeah. Same thing with gender. You know, it, it, all of these things, which it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an industry that focuses on clothes, but we are tackling social issues because we are not removed from the society. We are our consumers. We are our own customers. We buy the clothes we make. The industry buys its own clothes. So we can have those conversations because 
when you put out a strong message there and people actually listen, which is back to what Vazan was saying about talking to people, feeling like people not listening, when people actually listen, all of these concepts are not hard to grasp. You know, the fact that women are not safe is not hard to grasp. No. The fact that um, the statistics that show that women of color die at an exponentially higher rate than non-indigenous women or non-black women or non-Asian women. It's it's there. All you need to do is listen and pay some attention. But then like, it's almost like eating a blunt. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's just one of those things. It's like something can be in front of you in black and white. And it's, Don't think. it's just not. Mm. You know, yeah. it's an unfortunate thing. You know, there's times when things get better and there's times when we take another a thousand steps backwards. <laughs> like right now. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, you know, sometimes, you know, you're really believing that, you know, change is happening and then yeah, it, yeah. it retracts. But, yeah. you know, it's hopefully something that as we get older and, you know, we work more and, you know, get to know other people that you just hope that things slightly get better in some way <laughs> but fingers crossed but yeah, fingers we're not gonna, I mean the truth is we're not going to let up this time um it's I think it's it's way past you it's I'm just I personally and I can speak to the same frustration from Basel because I, I mean she's here so she can speak for herself but I am personally just tired of constantly feeling like a victim because I am not one yeah. and I am just tired of it. Yeah. Just level the playing field, please. That's all I ask for. Is that That's the only thing that want. <laughs> one thing. <laughs> just one thing. Just you know, equity. Equity. Not even equality. Just equity. Yeah. Just level the playing field and let's all just have conversations. And then yeah. But yeah. No, I think that that is so important in the sense that, you know, a lot of people, well, a lot of non-POC forget that it's like when we want equality is equity. We're not asking for more than what they have. We just want everything to be fair across the board. It's it's like when you get people saying all lives matter, it's like, yes, we're not against that. (laughs) That's not what we're trying to say here. We're just saying that when... Black lives matter or people of colour lives matter, then all lives matter. Yeah. yeah. Just one of those things. Um, is, yeah. I think we probably have time for one more quick question. Um, I would love to know what both of you would say to your younger selves. Oh my God. <laughs> um, about your futures and the advice that that would then give young creatives that are now sitting there, more POC creatives and they're scared to come into the fashion industry alone because of the you know horrors that they hear so yeah oh god that's what you start please um this is actually a very <laughs> emotional question and yeah. i'm gonna get to the point because i will start crying okay oh, but I would kind of say to myself and this really applies to Shola as well like <laughs> I would just say to myself, like, um, Baswa, you're going to experience a million and a million roadblocks in your life, but you have to take every roadblock as a lesson and 
literally when one door closes another door opens and not to dread on that door that closed and I think of course every single person in the world goes through struggles but the struggles that we face like oh my god trauma nightmares hysteria like (laughs) just don't give up I mean, I'm very hypocritical in saying that because I down like every single day and sometimes I like text Shola and Shola like is just like okay, okay. <laughs> but, um yeah I feel like if I speak more on this topic I'll probably cry because but um yeah realistic like the journey is not easy it's a hundred times harder if you are an ethnic minority and if you are working class but you just have to accept the reality that your life is going to be very difficult until you die um (laughs) yes something that you have to accept and tolerate um life is not easy and it never will be and mm. that is the reality of being yeah. a minority and from a working class background you just have to accept it I'm sorry it's not very positive no <laughs> at least it's honest yeah that's the main thing don't want to give bulls hopes just honesty no yeah, yeah. And I, I think oh <sighs> okay <clears throat> I think the first thing I would say to myself is, and this is conversations I have with myself on daily, it's um, don't ever trivialize any experience you've made. Mm. Like every situation is a learning experience and it will, you will not see it immediately, but you will notice the growth. And um, like to any sort of like, incoming creative person who's thinking of like okay this is fashion industry because it's glamorous <clears throat> and you just listen to this they lied <laughs> they lied <laughs> it's not it's not it's not. No, no. <laughs> it's not it's not glamorous um that's the gospel truth uh and I and a bunch of our friends have had this conversation over and over again it's like oh it's all this time um but if I'm being honest, um, I wouldn't have done it any other way. Like every, I've had enough experiences. I'm a man in my thirties, uh, and as broke as I am, I would have done it any other way. Um, it's 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 hard at the moment, but I feel like we're having conversations that need to be had. Um, I've resigned myself to the fact that. What I'm doing is not about just me. And I think in a way, Basma is the same as well. Um, what we're doing is not just about us. It's about laying the foundations for a safe space for people who come behind us to feel that it's okay to explore projects about going to buy chips at Brighton Pier. Um, because we've talked about the very important things. We've made it okay. We've normalized conversations about like dualities of identity of like South Asian women or you know, the fact that mental health and mental health trauma and how it impacts our realities as a person. We've talked about all of those. So they can talk about high school. Um, that's fine. 
if you're going to join the industry, um, there are three things you, I think you need. One, um, you need to retain your childishness mm-hmm. because being a creative person is frustrating and you need to have the ability to laugh at yourself. Mm-hmm. You really do need to. When, you're, when your sims do not match up, you need to laugh. <laughs> yeah, if you don't, you'll cry. So. You'll cry. Um, you need to have that childish wonder and excitement around you. The second thing you need is you need a group of friends around you who understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. It is very important. It, it's, it gives you, and I cannot stress this enough, it gives you the permission, especially as a person of color, it gives you the permission to be you. When your friends understand what you're trying to say from one sentence, it gives you the permission to go even crazier and go deeper because you know, even if the world doesn't do do. And when I say friends, I don't mean you know, the fake ones. It's just, I mean, like genuine friends who will tell you that design is crap. You need to scrap it. It's the honest you know? one, the real one. Yeah. You need those people around yourself. But even with that, though, you need to be very careful so that you don't only have a, a group of friends where everyone just agrees on everything. You need a diverse, you know, group of friends where it, it, it comes from a place of genuinely wanting to be better. It, it will take a while for you to find that. But once you do, the order is precious um, because it will give you so many like range of opinions that would impact on who you are as an adult and as a person, as a designer. And the final thing is um, you need to find a center. You need to center yourself, which is very, like, this is grandiose coming from me. And I'm like, oh, my God, I hope I can take all of this. Um, the first two things, are, like, uh, I'm talking from personal experience, but the last one is, it's just me just saying things that I think it's it's true, even though it doesn't necessarily apply to me right now. But you need to find a way to center yourself. I'm, a, I'm an anxious depressive, so finding that center for me is really hard. Because one day I am... Just like nervous energy, woo, woo, woo. And the next day, I don't want to get out of bed. So um, I'm f- trying to find a center. And for a lot of different people, it's going to be very different. Um, but you need to find something that centers you. If it's a hobby, if it's a movie, if it's a, if it's a piece of music, if it's a garment, if it's something, just something that anchors you and reminds you of why you're doing this. Because it's very, very, very easy to give up. It's like the number of times when number of times where I wake up and I just cry because I'm like, I am, I can't believe I'm in my 30s and I'm still this broke. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm like, actually, um, I still want to buy that yacht. So, <laughs> you're so weird. Yeah. So you, you, you need all of this. There's so many things I could say, but I really don't want to stop going to my business on crime and grammar. So, um, but like I, I think those three things are really, really important. You, um, you need to remind yourself about why you're doing what you're doing, basically. Yeah. So yeah, it's not going to be easy. Your sims will not always match. You will not always find the fabric you need. And the truth is, the God honest truth is, and this is something we, we actually forgot to talk about. You will have people in your course or the industry who have much more access than you do. Mm-hmm. Access to money, access to better equipment, access to better photographers. 
much more access than you do. And it will frustrate the living daylight out of you. Yeah. And on those days, you just need to, like I said, center yourself and talk to your friends and gossip about them. Listen, it's I'm just being honest here. Yeah. <laughs> because it's true. It um <laughs> you would you you would never in the gazillion years have all the access to everything you need, especially as a person of color. <laughs> Not gonna happen. Um uh, I mean, I don't know, your dad might be a billionaire. Mm-hmm. But even with that, it's still, it's different. There's still uh, limitations. Yeah, there's still limitations. But the truth is, um, you will always, always feel like you're running the game with one hand tied behind your back, and people would ne- never un- totally understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. And at that point, you just need to convince yourself that you're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. And that's what will keep you going. Just keep finding it. It sounds so mundane because I remember when I was having conversations with someone while ago and I was like, oh my God. You're like, oh my God, just need to find a joy in what you did. And I'm like, actually, uh, sort of. <laughs> like, no, I just want to make money. But now it's like, it's the truth. Like, I, I just do what I do because I like conversations like this. I like talking about, you know, how important it is to do what we do because it is important. And even if it's from seams and fabrics that are dead stock because I kind of thought to buy expensive fabric, <laughs> um, we're still doing it. And slow and steady, you get there. And hopefully you meet a basma along the way and you can share your frustrations together every single day. Or a group of friends like the Geo6 <laughs> who you would... Um, talk about scenes and things and everything together and you know in doing that that community will make you realize it's gonna be it's not easy but you're gonna get there yeah and when once you do that it's like okay i wake up again today i'm supposed to make some patterns i really can't bother so i'm not gonna make them <laughs> and then you text your friend like, i really need to make a pair of trousers and then like make it and like i'm just on the couch playing video games and they're like actually go do what you're supposed to do yeah like um, yeah <laughs> so like on a more positive note but that's the truth that is the yeah. truth. it's not easy it's no, not well thank yeah. you both so much this genuinely has been a pleasure like I thanks for letting us ramble <laughs> it's great I love it like like you said I I love these conversations because we go through university and you know we make good friends and we hear their stories but you never get to hear so many like different views from people that you wouldn't, you just wouldn't cross paths with. So I think things like this, they're just so important. Yeah. So yeah, it, this has been great. Um, do you both want to just share your Instagram handles so people can find you and your amazing work? <laughs> um, so my Instagram handle, I don't know if you guys can even spell my name. <laughs> <laughs> it's at basmamalik.london. And then my website is www.basmamalik.com. Okay. And Shaila? And my Instagram is uh, someone son official, all one word, the someone son. S O M E O N E S O N. It's not because sometimes when I say someone son, people are like, does that double S or does that apostrophe there? No, it's all one word official. And um, if you want to have a conversation, it's I, someone, son, I in front of someone, son. You just have a conversation with me. I have a website, and someone, son.co.uk. 
but that's just like I just only use for my graduate collection. I've not updated it in a minute. Yeah, that's me. I'll make sure that <laughs> everything is spelled correctly. Everyone can just have a direct link to find you. It's easier that way. It saves the stress. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you. Um, thank you. It's been amazing. Um, so yeah, thank you again for all listening to another episode of LCF Unfiltered. Be sure to get in contact with LCF or myself to keep in with the conversation and really push it as far as we can. So until next time. Join us next time where we'll be talking to Satori Casco. So I think for me, I think social impact is actually really important because our work has a message and it's not just a pretty photo all the time. Sometimes it is, but a lot of the time, a lot of thought goes into shoots that people don't realise. And the more and more I shoot, the more I actually really think about what I'm shooting and why I'm shooting it. Thanks and see you next time.